<laughs> Do you have any idea? Do you what have it's like to any take a man's idea? life? What it's like to I'm take a man's life? Really take his I'm life? I'm really take his life? Personal. I'm close. Looking in the eye. The personal watch. Looking in the eyes. The very spark of life. Exit. The very spark of life. Exit. It puts you on par. It really puts you God, on par. God, wouldn't you? Herman Mugit, also known as Dr. Herman Holmes, most famously known as H. H. Holmes. The Overview Herman was born into a wealthy family and showed signs of high intelligence from an early age. As a child, he allegedly trapped animals and performed surgery on them and some accounts of his life even suggest that he killed a childhood playmate. Herman attended medical school at the University of Michigan. In 1884, he was nearly prevented from graduating when a widowed hairdresser accused him of making a false promise of marriage to her. In 1886, Herman moved to Chicago and took a job as a pharmacist under the name Dr. H. H. Holmes. Soon after, he began killing people in order to steal their property. The house he built for himself, which would become known as Murder Castle, was equipped with secret passages, trapdoors, soundproof rooms, doors that could be locked from the outside, gas jets to asphyxiate victims, and a kiln to cremate their bodies. At the reputated peak of his career in Chicago in 1893, he seduced and murdered a number of women, typically by becoming engaged to them and killing them after securing control of their life savings. Herman also required his employees to carry life insurance policies, naming him as the beneficiary so that he could collect money after he had killed them. He sold the bodies of many of his victims to the local medical schools. In 1893, Herman was arrested for insurance fraud after a fire at his home, but he was soon released. He then concocted a scheme with an associate, Ben Pitzel, to defraud an insurance company by faking Ben's death. After Ben purchased a $10,000 life insurance policy, he and Herman travelled to Colorado, Missouri, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, and Texas, where they committed other acts of fraud along the way. Herman also got married. Returning to Missouri, Herman was arrested for fraud and briefly jailed in St. Louis. While in jail, he met Marion Hedgepurf, a career criminal who agreed to help Herman in the insurance scheme with Ben. Meanwhile, Ben moved to Philadelphia and opened a fake patent office to swindle inventors. After his release from jail, Herman travelled to Philadelphia and killed Ben. 
He then convinced Ben's widow, who had been aware of her husband's involvement in the insurance scheme, that her husband was still alive, later giving her $500 of the money he collected. Worried that some of Ben's five children might be alerted and call the authorities, Herman killed three of them. Insurance investigators were alerted to a fraud by Hedgeperth and Herman was arrested in Boston, Massachusetts. In 1894, he was tried in Philadelphia for the murder of Pitzel and was sentenced to death by hanging. The Murder Castle In 1887, he brought the empty lot across the street from the store where he worked and began construction on a three-storey building, which he said would be used for apartments and shops. The structure was ugly and large, containing more than a hundred rooms and stretching for an entire block. Chicago was a city on the rise in the late 1880s, and new construction was going up all over this stretch of the American Midwest. The city was perfectly situated on the shore of Lake Michigan and it was the central hub for the expansive railroad networks that crisscrossed the nation, all extending like spokes in a wheel from the city of Chicago. For his mansion, Herman planned for the first floor to contain an entire block of storefronts. He would be able to rent out to the floods of new businesses opening up in the city. The third floor would contain apartments for the growing population of the city, looking to make it big in the Windy City, some of whom would become Holmes's victims. Those victims got to see the second floor, and the especially unlucky ones made it to the basement, which hid the elaborated horrors for which Herman's house is now famous. Herman switched builders and architects frequently throughout the building's construction, so no one involved was able to realise the gruesome end goal. The castle was completed in 1892, and by 1894, police would be exploring its winding passages while Herman sat behind bars. At first they were confused at what they found. There were hinged walls and false partitions. Some rooms had five doors and the others had none. Secret airless chambers hid underneath floorboards and iron plate lined walls stifled all sound. Herman's own apartment had a trapdoor in the bathroom which opened to reveal a staircase which led to a windowless cubicle in the cubicle, there was a large chute that tunnelled through the basement. One particularly noticeable room was lined with gas fixtures. Here, Herman would seal his victims in, flip a switch, and the adjacent room watch and wait. All of the doors and some of the steps were all connected to an alarm system. Whenever someone stepped into the hall or headed downstairs, a buzzer would sound in Holmes's own bedroom. <coughs> Uncovering Chicago's House of Horrors 
The first clue about the bizarre fall plans, true purpose, came to the cops in a pile of bones. Most of them were animals, but some of them were human. So small that they had to belong to a child, no more than six or seven. When they descended into the cellar, the scope of the building's hidden horrors was revealed. Beside a blood-covered operating table, they found a woman's blood-soaked clothes. Another surgical surface was nearby, along with an array of medical tools, a bizarre torture device, and shelves of disintegrating acid. Though the mansion didn't look inviting in the least, it's unlikely that any of the victims were dragged into its depths. They entered on their own volition, likely enchanted by the owner's flattery and apparent affluence. Often they were his employees. During his two short years at the castle, Holmes had hired over 150 women to work for him. A few of those were known to be his mistresses. Most of them came from wealthy families, and some of them never saw those families again. Holmes sometimes photographed his favourites. They were young, beautiful, and trusted of this gentleman in the big, unfamiliar city. As a city on the rise and centrally located, thanks to its railway hub, there was a fresh flow of people coming in and out of Holmes's murder mansion. Despite the well-connected women who went missing under his employment, suspicion of murder weren't what eventually led to Holmes's demise. People come and go all the time in the big city, often without notice. So the disappearance of the young women working under Holmes could always be excused as young women moving on or heading back home. The sheer number of Herman's victims is huge. We never know an exact number for sure, but it's thought to be 200, 300, 400 plus. But without any figures, we cannot tell this for certain. Holmes is now talked about as the birth of the serial killer. Hey, so um, I can stop being so serious now. I was trying to do a serious voice. Um, I'm not sure if it suits me. However, I am still uh, struggling to be able to meet up with my pals due to COVID-19, um, which I actually got tested for today. So fingers crossed, I don't have it. Um, although NHS workers, uh, key workers, uh, shop workers, post office people, uh, Everyone who's doing their bit, amazing people. So thank you for that. Um, these episodes seem to be quite short at the moment. I'm going to try and lengthen them. As soon as I've got someone to sort of bounce off a little bit more, then um, I'm sure that we can make the episodes a little bit longer. Now, um, I have a fascination with serial killers and... Uh, all things crime related, a bit of gore. Um, now, obviously, this is historical, so um, I'm going to try not to turn into a true crime podcast, but who knows? Um, the rule is 
there is no rules. So um, thank you for joining me for another little episode. Um, I'm now on Apple iTunes at last. It took me a while. But um, yeah, so I'm going to try and get some content up. I'm going to try and build my structure a little bit more. Um, and please come along with me for this journey. And yeah, we will we will improve the sound quality. We'll get better, um, hopefully. And yeah, so I hope uh, you're all well and I will release a new episode soon. Okay, take care. Good day. Bye-bye.